the this series, the changing climate of the church. I think this is such a uh, such a timely um, conversation for us to have, not just about uh, what um, how church in America is changed, but how uh, how I believe God is is calling His church to a new level of commitment. And this is one of the examples. And um, for the last couple of weeks, we've talked about being faithfully present uh, to one another, uh, just as God has been faithfully present to us. And so today, we're going to talk about how we can be faithfully present to God's creation. So we'll we'll take just a couple more minutes here to to put uh, some some meat on the bones, to give you some practical ways for for us to be faithfully present to each other. So. Um, again, thanks, Dave. I uh, really appreciate um, you being with us this morning, and we'll continue some of these conversations in just a little bit. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that uh, we, we talked about a little bit last week, uh, just kind of as a matter of review, that our call as a local church is, is not simply to lean into trends, current trends, in culture or the church for the purpose of luring people into our buildings. Our call, just as it has been since Jesus first said these words, is go, to go and make disciples. Our, our calling is to go to and be fully present among the people around us, uh, to listen to them and identify with the people around us, and then to offer our lives in sacrificial love for the good of those people around us. And so I guess, um, you know, I want us to tangibly look at what it looks like for us to apply that to God's creation. What does it look like for us to pursue, identify with, and show love for the good of God's creation? Um, and I, I believe to be a church that influences our secular culture, a key way for us moving forward is to show love for the good of God's creation. Uh, just as Jeremiah in chapter 20, uh, 29 of Jeremiah, he, um, he told the exiled Israelites to love and seek the good of the secular culture surrounding them. And um, when we care for the earth, we are seeking the good of everyone who lives on the earth. And as you are fully aware of, we are also caring for those who have yet to walk on this earth, the, the, the future generations who uh, will be coming up behind us. So simply put, loving God's creation is one of the ways that we can say to the world, um, it's not about us. We exist for the good of everyone, not just our little empire of churches, not just our little empire of what we dream of and what we want to do. We uh, God's called us to something uh, transcendent in that way. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, we read that God called humankind to do two things in particular in relation to the earth. Uh, the Lord, it says in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Uh, those two words um, are um, kind of very closely intertwined. Uh, when, uh, when God instructed Adam and Eve to work the Garden of Eden, he was talking about nurturing it, sustaining it, uh, tending to the garden. Uh, for the taking care of the garden, it's, it's the idea of preserving it, protecting it, to guard 
the garden. And uh, I think it would be easy to overlook a key point in the Genesis creation account. And it's a key point that set a precedent and, and that still applies today. That garden belonged to God. Um, it's the verse that, that Kevin quoted from Psalm 24. Um, the earth and all that is in it belongs to God. Um, this, this past Thursday evening, I went to the San Rafael Film Center on 4th Street, and I watched a documentary on Peter Volenben's book, The Hidden Life of Trees. Uh, I read this book a couple years back, and it was just one of those books that with every page, I was in awe of God's creative genius. Uh, it's a book that um, I mentioned, and I, I've talked to some of you about who have also read it. Uh, we did a, a series about um, over a year ago called Lessons from Trees, and this was one of the one of the books that I drew uh, some knowledge and, and analogies from. But uh, not only is it a book that deepens your appreciation for trees and the role they play in the ecosystem, but th there was example after example of ways to apply similar principles to how we live with one another. Um, the ways that trees communicate and how we as humans can learn more about communication, the way trees help one another and strengthen one another, the ways that trees actually protect one another from diseases, um, and the, the beautiful way that um, even when a tree dies, it leads to life for um, the environment around it. So it was just it's, it's such a, um, I just I thought it was a great read, and that documentary um, on the book, The Hidden Life of Trees, was really good. It's going to be coming back to the San Rafael um, Film Center in the summer, from what I understand. It was just an Earth Day showing that they had on that Thursday, but I would encourage you to, to jump in on it. Um, now, I, wouldn't, I couldn't say with any certainty that Peter Vollenbend is a, a Christian or or has a God-centered understanding of creation. But I do believe that he, being created in the image of God, whether he recognizes that or not, he has been living like his creator. Uh, he has been caring for the earth. And I think that is something, like I said, I, I don't know where he stands in his understanding of, of God and God's creation, but I do know that he is living as, um, as one who is caring for the earth just as God has instructed those of us to do the same. So our privileged role as human beings, and I think we need to see it really as a privilege, is to tend to and to guard the earth under the authority of our divine creator. From the very beginning, this was the ideal plan a world in which all of humanity would succeed by building um, a human civilization in the midst of God's kingdom by directly um, harnessing just these amazing resources of the planet and doing this under the direction of our creator. Um, I like this phrase uh, by Sandra Richter, and this was uh, from her book, Stewards of Eden. Uh, Dave, thank you for recommending this book. I um, downloaded it onto Kindle right after you and I talked about it, and it was a great read. It's another one that I would recommend, Stewards of Eden by Sandra Richter. But uh, she said, humanity is literally installed in the garden for this very task 
of keeping it. Um, we are installed, uh, God has installed us in our particular environments for this task of caring for it. And so um, I wanted to give a short list of ways that we can be a steward of God's creation. And this might be something that um, maybe you hear one of these in this list and it resonates with you. Uh, maybe it triggers something else. And so if, if in this conversation, or in this brief list, it triggers something of a way that you have been or want to be a steward of God's creation, I'm going to encourage you just as I continue to talk, um, throw that in the chat feature and other people, um, maybe that will spark some ideas for them. Um, Dave uh, sent me some Plant With Purpose resources and and there included in that was this list of ways that we can be stewards of God's creation. Let me read a few of their suggestions. Um, doing away with disposable water bottles, rather than thinking, how can we recycle them? Um, take that a step further. How can we avoid purchasing them um, to begin with? Um, composting, meatless Mondays. I've never heard of that phrase before. Maybe that's really familiar to some of you. I grew up in the Midwest and it was like steak Sunday. So meatless Monday is something that um, it would be, I think it would be a great way for me um, to, to shift my way of thinking in particular. Um, upcycling rather than buying new. Um, how can you drive less? Is there a, a way that you can walk, bike, or take public transportation more? Uh, shopping locally. I know that right now, as we are here on the Zoom call, there's a, a farmer's market down there in, at the San, San Rafael Community Center, and many of you participate in that. And then very simply, planting a tree, whether you go to plantwithpurpose.org and you help plant trees in Mexico, or whether this is something that um, becomes a, a part of your regular way of, of life here in Marin County, for example. Um, but what, this is what I would like to challenge you with, and I'll kind of close with this, with this thought. Rather than simply thinking of a list of things to do, I want you to think of them like spiritual practices that the Holy Spirit can work through, not only for the good of others, but also to transform your own mind and heart to be more like Christ. Think of these as spiritual practices. When you are actively stewarding God's resources, do so while holding God in the forefront of your thoughts. And I, I believe that that is something that God, um, for those of us who, who claim to be apprentices of Jesus and, and following him, this is a unique way that we can steward God's resources. We do it for the good of the people around us, for the good of God's creation, but we can also do it in a way that God will work in us to transform us and to make us more like Christ. I try to think of how to illustrate this. And this, this story came to mind. And um, I want to share this with you. Um, several years ago, many years ago, when, when I lived in St. Louis, uh, I was talking to a group of pastors who were really excited about this church building that they purchased. There was a, a, a pre-existing church that uh, was kind of struggling. And so they uh, they added to their church by, by purchasing this church building. And it was in Manchester, Missouri. Not that that means anything to you, but kind of a suburb of St. Louis. And so these pastors were telling me where it was located and how the building was laid out and, and how they uh, excited they were to begin meeting in that building. 
they shared their plans to renovate the building and to make the most of it so that they can begin ministering to the surrounding communities. And I took a keen interest in what they had to say, um, especially when they said it was in Manchester, Missouri. And so I, I asked a little bit more specifically, where in Manchester is that? And, and uh, in the midst of also asking about their plans and dreams for this new church. And my reason for asking about that was because in the 1970s, my grandpa, my dad's dad, pastored a small church in Manchester, Missouri, and he led them to buy a piece of property where he built a church, literally with his own hands, he built a church. He drove the bulldozer, he leveled the land, he poured the foundation. Um, come to find out, my friends purchased the church building that my grandpa had built. And so while they're talking about how useful the building would be, um, I'm sure it doesn't surprise you to know that my thoughts were not as much about the building as they were about my grandpa. So let me kind of make this uh, parallel. Um, I'm reluctant to, to, uh, to compare my grandpa to the creator of the universe, but here's, here's my point. Um, anyone and everyone can love and care for the earth, but as followers of Christ, we know the one who made it with his own hands. An unbelieving culture talks about and cares for the earth, which is awesome, whereas a Christian's most stirring thoughts can be about our creator who has befriended us and who loves us. When I smiled, when I was talking to the pastors that day, I smiled, and, and as I told them, you're not gonna believe this, fellows, but my grandpa is the one that built that church. Um, the conversation shifted. They wanted to know about my grandpa. Now, it may not be that simple of a conversational transition, but imagine this. We link arms with others in our community. We link arms with people who very well, they may be against church and religion, but we link arms with them out of a mutual love for this earth. And through that, they learn that we have a vibrant friendship relationship with the one that we believe to be the creator of this earth. My interest in that new church was motivated by my relationship with my grandpa. Our interest in the earth is best motivated by our relationship with God. It's that relationship with God that sustains us, that gives us direction and hope as we are caring for his creation. And we do this while being faithfully present within a culture. Uh, the, within a culture, we do this um, for those that love creation, but perhaps uh, they don't acknowledge the divine creator. And we do this quite simply for the good of the people around us. That is being faithfully present to the earth and for the good of the people around us. So I want to transition uh, to communion. I hope you have uh, something that can represent the symbols of, of Christ's body and blood, the bread and wine or juice. But I just want to mention how humble of Jesus to use two very earthy items to represent himself. He didn't use gold and diamonds, you know, something that was really 
rare and priceless. He mentioned bread and wine. So I want to let's take just a moment and reflect on that. Beginning with bread. And it's most at its most basic, bread is a combination of water and flour. Water and wheat that's been finely ground into a powder. Quite the opposite of rare, bread is ubiquitous. It's a, a staple for people all around the world. And yet the savior of the world chose this common element with humble earthy origins to represent his body that gives us life. John 12, 24 says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So before we take partake of the bread, I want you to just kind of press pause and focus on this. Let me give you a couple of, um, a couple of things to, to collect your thoughts, to, to focus on. I want you to reflect on, just as I read that verse in John 12, reflect on the cycle of death and how it leads to life. Whether you want to picture that um, in the creative world, in the, in the world of creation, or um, specifically how Christ's death led to life for you. And I want you to reflect on how a choice to die to your own personal selfishness can also bring life for the good of others. And I invite you to take the bread with me. And we read um, in the New Testament of this encounter where Jesus uh, used these common earthly elements and beginning with the bread, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And before we take of, of the wine or juice, whatever you've chosen, um, again, let's pause to reflect. Um, you may be familiar with uh, what is the first recorded uh, miracle in scripture that, that Jesus performed, and that is that Jesus turned water into wine. And I've, I've heard that Jesus is still turning water into wine, just as vines are watered by the rain. God is still turning that water, that rain water, into wine. It's, it's a process of making something new. And it is this simple element, wine, that Jesus chose to represent his blood shed for us, his blood shed so we can experience a new life. Again, in that meal that he shared with his disciples in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Loving God, through, through your abundant goodness, we have this bread and this wine that has come from the earth and that human hands made, but we know your presence in the sharing 
um, of it is, is what brings it into such a sacred moment for us. We know your presence, um, just as you are present in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries in this simple meal. And we celebrate Jesus the way that you share with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. Amen.